Hi, I'm Adam Badke, Community Manager at IDOS Montreal, and welcome to Stealing Time, the Thief podcast. During the recent San Diego Comic-Con 2013, Thief's game director Nick Canton and narrative director Stephen Gallagher hosted a panel called Building a Hero, sharing their process of recreating Garrett with a jam-packed Comic-Con audience. So today on Stealing Time, we're bringing you their full panel presentation as an audio podcast for your listening pleasure. I hope you enjoy. There are those that believe the perfect heist lies in the preparation. Some say that it's all in the timing, seizing the right opportunity. Others even say it's the ability to leave no trace behind, be a ghost. For me, it's simple. It's a way of life. Senior Marketing Manager at Square Enix for the Thief franchise. Today we're really excited to share with you um, a little bit about what we've done to breathe new life back into an older franchise. Um, specifically, we want to take you behind the scenes into how we breathe new life into Garrett um, and reinvigorated a, a character from the past into this modern next-gen gaming console world. Uh, joining me here today on stage, we have Two people from Idos Montreal who we're very lucky to have with us. We have Stephen Gallagher, who is the narrative director for the game. And we have Nicholas Cantain, who is the game director. Uh, both of these men have been extremely integral to the redefining of Garrett for this next-gen world, and we're going to let them talk to us a little bit about how they did that, and uh, hope you enjoy. I'll turn it over to Nick and Stephen. Thanks, guys. Um, did you hear me well? Good. Um, for for I'm uh, kind of like that, and I, I worked on game uh, like Siberia and Assassin's Creed before going on Thief. So, okay, just to make it better. Yes, uh, as the guy said, uh, I'm Stephen Gallagher, the, my pedigree title is narrative director, they tell me, you can just call me the story guy, we're all, we're all friends here. Um, I actually migrated from the movies uh, in 99, started making games and loved them. I actually cut my teeth with uh, Charles Cecil over at Revolution Software and the Broken Sword stuff, if anybody knows that. Uh, the last game was uh, Before Thief was Watchmen, um, over in Denmark, and uh, yeah, I've been, uh, I joined the concept team for Thief. Yeah. yeah, in the concept phase, I was the art director on the project, and then I move on on the game direction and continue to doing the both roles for Thief. That's why I can talk really well about how we built Garrett. So, um, yeah, good. Um, before starting a game, before starting to create a character itself, we need to know what kind of game we're going to have, uh, what kind of camera we're going to choose on the design side. And it's really important to, um, on that side, to really pin down what we want to do, to after that, to 
know it, where the effort would be need to put, be put on the character. So um, in games you have the first the first person game, the first person camera, you have the second and third person camera games, and you have also the contextual camera in the game. Thief uh, 1 was really uh, a first person uh, camera game. You can... uh, so the design approach in Thief, uh, frankly, uh, we, uh, in the beginning we started and we did the choice to go uh, third person. And uh, we quickly realized that it was not really the thief experience we expected. No, I thought what was interesting was uh, different cameras give you different emotional responses, right? So um, we did an experiment with the third person. Garrett's a great looking character, but you know we needed that first person experience back. Now you find that the game is largely first person. It's important. It's more immersive. It was yeah. more like I said, the, the thief experience we wanted to do was more first person one. So. But all the study we did in the third person uh, phase we had helped us to define more the character in there. And at the end, we really um, did the choice to keep some aspect of it. Um, you can go near. So, yes, so like I said, we kept some part of the third person for the game to show Garrett and more in like in cutscenes uh, for the things like that. And it helps the story to be. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 I mean, you're playing in the head of Garrett. You are Garrett, right? So the thing about a third-person camera is that it, it externalizes the experience, and you get to see. To, it was important to 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 play first-person, to connect with the world, to be immersive, to be able to place your hands on things, steal, right? It's the, the clue is in the title. But the third-person came in useful for more of the the cinematography. We wanted to bring more of a a, a big story with this. Um, so that's why we went third for that. It also helps as well, you see the words vertical navigation, that was a buzzword we threw around in, in production. Uh, climbing, basically. Um, uh, but uh, it, it helps some players basically to orient themselves better when they're actually climbing around on strips. Yeah, and it's not all the climbing in the game with the third person, it's really the big epic one that needs to see the surround around the, the, the character itself, so for the game really is in first person. Uh, the contextual camera. On this one, we, when the puzzle is more, when the gameplay itself is more important than the character, we did a choice to go directly for the, the puzzle or the gameplay, like the pick locking. Uh, we have a lot of puzzles in the game, also on that side. It's really why we choose to have a contextual camera. So in Thief, we have them all. We have the three kind of camera you can find in a video game. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, the reference. So when we, we, we did the, the choice about the, the first person camera, we were react about it, and then it was about to build the character itself. Uh, for sure, the main reference for Garrett was the original Garrett. Uh, we didn't want to change it too much. It was really our main goal since the beginning. Yeah, I just want to stress again, I've said this before in other interviews, is that um, we're reinventing the franchise, right? So it's a new, a new game, a new Garrett. You don't need to have played the originals, but if you do know the original Garrett, um, I spent a lot of time looking at who he was. Um, there were a lot of interesting aspects to that, that personality. So, you know, do you like speaking to people, Garrett? No. Okay, so you're antisocial. You're already the master of what you do, so... It's, it's been really interesting to take all of these wide, dry, anti-hero aspects of this character and then place him in his... because he's his own worst enemy, essentially. Uh, he gets himself into trouble because he just can't stop. Curiosity killed the cat. Um, and uh, so we've taken aspects of the original and brought it into this new into this new thing. Yeah. It was really important for us to respect the essence of what was Garrett, the main pillar of that. Uh, from there, uh, for sure the previous Thief game, so all the universe of Thief was really a reference for us. Uh, the pop culture, when you do a 
game called Thief, you wanted to do a lot of research, not necessarily research that will at the end be in the game, but really to to do a lot, to study a large spectrum of what kind of reference we have as a theme. So we uh, the, the, we did a lot of things, the hot law, the anti-hero thing, uh, even you see a little raccoon there just for some behaviors of stealing stuff. We're talking about our hands, but if you go and see videos, it's really interesting. It's only references for us, really food for the mind. It was really important to know what is a thief for us, what is also what people relate to as a thief. I was funny, I was going to say, I remember the first time Nick came to me and he said, uh, I've got the perfect animal for, for, for Garrett. And I was like, what is it, what is it? And then he showed me the raccoon. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. But actually, I know exactly what he's doing here. It's a really interesting process to watch him at work. Is to fully understand the color that you need for your character, where you need to be in the spectrum. You need to understand your entire spectrum. <coughs> so I, I really appreciated what Nick was doing here to kind of like look at everything at his, his disposal to where he could get his inspirations from. And uh, yeah, raccoons are pretty sneaky. <laughs> it's already uh, there's a big one in the game industry. Sly Cooper is already there. It's like yeah, and uh, the city. Um, we talk about references. The city also. We said we wanted to keep the main pillar of Thief, which was a game, a, a Thief game. It was the same thing for the city. Um, from the previous game, it was called the city and the, the name of yeah. Yeah, we, we see it as a character in itself. Uh, yeah. we've, we've spoken before, um, you know, Garrett doesn't profess to care about a lot of things, he's very independent, but one of the things I think he would care about, and does care about, is this place. It's his ecosystem, it's kind of what defines him. Um, so, making the city as a character itself, it's, it's interesting. We, we, we're providing the opportunity for you as a player, as Garrett, to really get to know this place, push into every corner, find every secret. You know, dig out all of the stories, and, and it's going to give you an ownership to this place because, in many ways, Garrett thinks he owns this thing. Yeah, and if you go, yeah, we have uh, we kept the Stone Market District. This is where the home of Garrett is. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he hangs out in his clock tower because. Yeah. Um, yeah. Garrett's not the kind of guy who has a, a Facebook account. I'll give you a clue. He's never tweeted in his life, and uh, he, he tends to sit in this place, basically, uh, um, working out what he's going to do next, what his next big challenge is going to be. For us, it was also a match to the previous game. Uh, so we're going like, to talk about the Garrett look and costume. And before we're going to look, I have a look at the, the trailer that we did uh, for, uh, with a real costume. Uh, it's uh, people who worked in New York for that with us. And it was really an interesting process because we, uh, we started uh, the, the concept of Garrett and then we sent them concept art. We didn't add yet the 3D version of it. And they started to work on the costumes and they sent it back to us and we said, okay, this is really interesting. So we brought some element of what they did in our own concepts on that time. It was really a back and forth process that at the end was uh, really interesting to do. And uh, look. I think it sounded a little better on this one. Stealing is my way of life. It sets me free in the night.
on the square in his booth uh, just here. And uh, so yeah, so first the mask. Uh, when, like we said, we started the project as a third-person game, so it was really important for us to have a visual feedback about when Garrett is hidden or not. So we had a mask when Garrett was going in the more infiltration mode, he was putting his mask on. And it's something we kept for the, even though we're now in first person and we don't see the mask and we're not going to see the hand doing that during the game, but it's something we kept for the visual aspect of him. It makes him a little bit more, more reclusive. Yeah, I mean, it's in addition to physically hiding him, um, it also emotionally hides him as, as well. You, you, you'll find that uh, if he takes down the mask to communicate with you, that's a special moment for Garrett Green. Mm -hmm. It's a human side. Uh, so, the fabrics and material, like I said, we did the costumes with a company and then it helped us to, frankly, um, iterate on it, iterate on the character. But it was really important for us to display that it build a lot of freedom of movement. Uh, Garrett in our game is doing a lot of features and doing a lot of abilities and on that side it was important for us that the costume reflect that. Yeah, this is a nice example of the craftsman we spoke of with, you know, Garrett, the, the person who knows Garrett the best is, is Garrett. So he's built his own suit to take advantage of, of his build. And what's really interesting is the amount of detail that went into this, and they've, they've actually built this, and yes, it is available to go and see at the Square Enix. But I've worn some of this and it even made me look cool. So, the, th the thing is, the amount of detail going in, we're going to see the bow later on as well. It's real, we've made it, it works. Yeah. Makes you feel even more cool. When, when like Steven said, oh, come back, please. Because also with the next gen game, we really need to put a lot of details in the character. Even in the previous game, it was almost just a small texture that was giving you the impression of the costume. Today, you can completely have the shader that would create the perfect leather aspect of the costume. So that's why it was important for us on the concept to define all this, to make sure that after that, within the game, it was there for the modeler to do and things like that. So, we wanted really to bring all the details on Garrett before going in uh, to do it for uh, The time period was also really important for us. Uh, it's a fictional blend of medieval Victorian industrial period, I can say. And uh, from there, we kind of really, we dig a lot of references and we wanted the custom to reflect also that period. So it's a little bit more advanced than in the previous game, so it has to be something that we wanted to add to our character. The cape and the armor. Uh, the cape add a lot of dynamism to our character, uh, especially again when we were in third person, so we kept that aspect. It's really something also that we use as the cloak in the game to help Garrett be hidden in the shadow, to empower him. It's something that is really strong within the game, and it's something that we use a lot, the cloak for him. Just a quick supporting comment here as well. We actually tried Garrett in a big flowing cloak. It looked super cool, but then I imagined how many times he'd get himself caught on a nail or stuck in a door or whatever. Um, I used to think a lot about... Uh, I, used, I always used to say to myself, what would Garrett do? It was like a mantra for me. Um, I stopped after I got thrown out of so many supermarkets. It, uh, <laughs> but really, the whole efficiency thing was... was, it, was it was cool to think about, would Garrett have a big cloak like this? You'll notice it's actually streamlined. Uh, he uses it to break his line to hide himself, but at the same time, it's it's an efficient cloak. Yeah. Even though I think the one that we have today, this one, is really smaller than the concept you see here. So it was, again, really iterative as a process. So we're going to talk about the functional use of the costumes. Because Garrett has a lot of tools to accomplish missions, goals. So the bow. 
I think it's the main tool for Garrett. We really empower the boat from what it was before. The Garrett is using it to manipulate the environment around it. It's really important at a distance. It's really a, a weapon of choice again. It will be to the player's choice to use the tool we want, whether we're really there to empower uh, the character and to manipulate the environment around him. The multiple arrows, variety of choice again for the player to do. Um, we bring back fire arrow, the water arrow, and also the rope arrow. So that's why it's really an interesting uh, element that we add that add a lot of dynamism to the character itself by his navigation within the map. The blackjack's back too. It's really its weapon of choice for the stealth action. Um, we use it for takedown, creating distraction. It's really his main tool. Also, Garrett is not a fighter. He will not kill someone on the like that. So it's really his choice. So he's really more wanted the enemies than killing them. Yeah, I mean, narratively, Garrett, he defines himself as he's not a killer. Um, he, he does have a line. Um, he does not kill without thought or good reason. That having said that, you know, when you play the game, you pay your money to play your game how you wish. Uh, so we'll put a lot of time and effort into, if you want to place uh, so your stealth aggressively, of course you can. You know, if you want to buy a ton of arrows and go in there uh, like a crazy man, you can do it. But obviously, Garrett needs this thing here. If he's going to go through as the ghost, remain unseen and not be detected, if that's the kind of player you are, you're going to be seeing a lot of this thing. Yeah. Uh, the cutter, another tool that is, this one is new. Um, it's an entry tap tool. It's really about making sure that the world is surrounded by danger, and it's one of the tools that, if you look at this, at to your environment, you'll be able to get rid of those uh, danger. The climbing clock, uh, it's the, uh, it's an important tool for navigation. It's, uh, it's something that, again, when you, you do some climbing, we don't want to spend hours on climbing or we want them to be fast and efficient, and the clock is really a tool of choice for that. The lock picks, the best friend, they're back. The, the lock picking is back too. And uh, on that side, we create a lot of, um, we want it to be really part of Garrett. It's almost within him. It's a tool that is really have a signature within the game. And uh, yeah, you'd be forced to lock pick a lot. As a protection, uh, we're talking about adding, adding a more dynamic move to our character, and I think that the, uh, the, the, the costume needs to reflect that. It's really important uh, to make sure that Garrett, if the player wants, can play with more aggressiveness, uh, yeah. maybe. If you want to take the risk and push the envelope and get yourself into trouble, you're invariably going to beat somebody who wants to push a sword into your gut. Um, your your costume tries to reflect the fact that um, you know you, there is an aggressive side to this game if you want to do it that way. So. Uh, the Garrett movements and action ability, another thing that is really important to define a character. Um, the movement ability of Garrett, the basic ones are the walking, all those elements, the running, but we wanted Garrett to be unique. We wanted him to stand in a crowd of other characters. And on that side, we really did a lot of research. If you look here, the concepts are more core to me almost, but it was to outline those lines and things like that. So we really go deep in the research of our stance. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about the action abilities, again, those ones are more unique to a certain character. And uh, like the combat, the climbing a rope, even pulling a lever, you can do it with style sometimes. And the swoop also is maybe one of the more iconic 
new move that we brought. Now, the swoop is awesome. It's one, it's one of my favorite things, but um, it, it's like a way of dashing uh, across the white. I, I call it like the shadow jumping as well. Um, it's just a, it has a good feeling, you know, it's a, it's a nice chore choreography of movement. These, uh, these forced shapes in the concept are just really interesting. I remember the animators trying to get to these. Um, uh, these exaggerated shapes, and it gave us some really interesting uh, starting positions. Garrett's all about efficiency of movement. Um, I've said it before, somebody slapped me for this before, but it, he has um, a, a, a strong feminine side to him, and I don't necessarily mean that in... It's not, it's not weak at all, it's actually very elegant and strong because it actually enables him to move much quicker. Uh, you can't see it in these shapes, but the way that he stands later, you'll see a default stance. Uh, it's actually um, the same that uh, the ballerinas would use for, uh, for quickness of movement. Uh, so there's been a lot of really interesting uh, detail going into how he would stand, how he would operate, how he would think, how he would move. It's, uh, it's been a really interesting journey with this guy. Yeah, and it was important for us to, to keep that uniqueness, but also when you pin down that, after that for the game, it's really, really important that the controller really, like that the user is, it's easy in fact, so more, it's easy more the user will enter his experience and it was really important to have a unique movement and action abilities and also to make sure that it was comfortable within the game. So here is the uh, in-game stance, I'm going to let Steven talk a bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, this is what I was talking about before, this, um, this, the other version of this with the feet a little bit more compressed, so it needs to be more on the mic. Um, Again, he needs to be able to move quickly, so as we pass through these slides, you'll see his compression as he actually starts to go through to his more uh, aggressive, um, swift movements. Uh, this won't be in the, uh, the, the, the marksman, and trust me, I've tried to walk like this, and it's, <laughs> it's pretty difficult to, uh, to do it without your, your legs wanting to fall off. Well, and the hands. We did the same thing, the same CD we did now also for the hands, because for us, as a first-person game, the hands reflect the character, personality, and emotion, emotions. So on that side, it was really important to define them well. Uh, we did a lot of iteration on them, uh, because they are a character by itself. It really reflects who Garrett is. Yeah, hands are amazing, of course they are. If you were to say to Garrett, what's your best tool, the bow? It's going to be, you know what, it starts here. These are my best tools. If you, uh, I don't know if anybody's seen the playthrough of the, the demo we had, but he has the ability to touch, to search picture frames, to actually be connected to his world. He can, you know, he senses through his fingers a lot. It's, uh, it's a very powerful tool for him. Yeah, and it's a little detail that we've put in the game. We read that, make sure that the, the character was really uh, interacting with the environment, so touching it from close, and it was really an important topic, something that you don't see often in games. Uh, the focus system is the ability to analyze the situation in a pinpoint position, and this is uh, really a layer that we have on all our uh, abilities. Uh, so you can have the normal one, but it's a layer that we have to empower the character and also to make it. Um... Yeah, I'll tell you what, think of the focus as uh, Garrett's a master thief, right? So he has um, uh, an incredible intuition, and the focus can be seen as that. Now, this is a very dramatic uh, event that starts right at the beginning of the game, which I, I can't give any details about right now, but we're, we're going to talk about that uh, at a later date. But that dramatic event um, raises those, uh, that intuition, which we call focus here, um, to legendary uh, proportions. You know, it changes the master to the legends. Um, we, we've spoken about this before as well. As to be honest, if you, if you want a, a very pure game experience, um, you, 
the, the thief experience is highly configurable. So stuff like the focus could be switched off, the UI could be switched off if you need to. And, uh, really, there's a lot of uh, configurability. So we make, so. Yeah, and make sure that all the main abilities, okay, as that layer, so the pick lock, the combat, the marksman, the focus vision, the pickpocket. So like Steven said, you can do that then completely normal, but if you want, you can add that layer of strength on uh, the Garbets model, I think you saw it already uh, two or three times in each trailer, and that's why yours is mine. It's really important to have that for the character, to really a catchphrase that the audience will remember. It was, um, yeah, in, yes, it, it was an inspiration from the previous game, what yours can be mine, and then we kind of made sure that it was our own, so we, uh, we changed it. What yours is mine, something more present as well. I'm going to hand it over now to the floor, basically, if that's a question. Yeah, if you guys would like, we're going to have, I think there's a, just behind the projector, if you guys want to form a line, if you have any questions, um, feel free to step on up, and uh, we will answer what we can. Easy ones, please. <laughs> and there's a young metal in the crowd, have a look. Hi, first question is... What did the next-gen hardware allow you to do that you could have done on the previous gen in making some of these decisions? And what kind of things can you still not do that you'd like to be able to? I am not sorry. We'll wait a little bit. Oh, well. What can you do? In fact, it's really about the more emotion you can convey to the player. I think this, the next-gen console or PC will give this to us. That's why we have the cutscene. We want to make sure that Garrett will be reflected there. And um, I think it's also more about the immersion. I think it's uh, not only having bigger textures. I think it's really about adding more stuff. Uh, for us, when we enter, a, for example, a room to steal something, it was important to be more specific, make sure that you enter to some one place and not a generic location. So it's not only on the character, but it's the whole universe that gain a lot with the next-gen uh, console. So I think that immersion and being a thief, this is really now more strong on that side. Okay. Hey, so throughout approach every thief game, Garrett's been the master of thief. Um, starting in the first one, he just straight off the bat, you know he's the master thief, everyone knows who he is. Everybody tries to use that and take advantage, and that happens a couple of times, and he always comes out ahead. So I want to know how, in the newest thief, how the like newer order in town, how do they react to Garrett as a master thief? They know, they know who he is, but do they do anything about it? Do you hit them all? Like you mean the, the, the narrative? The authorities in the city. I mean, essentially, because there's no Hammerites or Pagans anymore. I don't think so. I want to know how like the new city handles Garrett now. Yeah, we, it looks, uh, we'll, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about the story uh, in, in later times. I'm working with the guys back at the office for that. We do we do have our, uh, our factions. Uh, the authorities... You can't be the master thief without drawing some attention to yourself, but you don't want your photograph all over the, uh, the city, right? Um, so basically, uh, you were actually touching on one of the interesting things about when you make a game and you want to give a player progression, um, and I'd say one of my problems was uh, Garrett's the master of what he does, so you're kind of left with a scenario of like, how do I make this guy any better when he's already the best at what he does? Um, so
So narratively, that's where I can help. So at the beginning of the game, I'm not giving any spoilers out. You know, something happens that uh, that means that you know Garrett's going to be able to take a, his own personal journey once again and get back to the top, if you will. I was just wondering about how interactive the environments are going to be. Like, are all the tables be pickable, thrown, or anything like that? Like, um, it was a little bit like the, the question for the next gen things. Next gen allows us a lot of things, and on that side, it's um, we try to have a big, the best immersion possible. So, if you want to open drawers, for example, you can open them all. So, it's really, if you want to really explore the world, you can really do it. And sometimes drawers will be empty. Sometimes they will have something in it. We don't want to just give access to the drawers that have something. In it. So, the exploration is really important in feet. And on that side, it's. Uh, yeah, those kind of, it's, it's really the world having a lot of things to do, uh, to play with. I was talking about the bow and the arrows, manipulating the environment. It's all about that. Uh, I think that one of the treasures that we are in the, we can uh, get rid of some cards by making a great fall in them, things like that. And it's really about extinguished lights and all those things. It's really playing with the environment. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just uh, follow up very quickly. I remember uh, we used to speak about how much um, tactility we could have. This links to the question we had about the, uh, you know, what does next gen bring? And I know we were asking the tech guys in animation, you know, when we pick stuff up, can we make sure we could, you know, we're picking it up? It's not just uh, ending up in, in our inventory and stuff. There's a lot of touching the walls and being able to hold yeah. onto corners and peek. You know, so you, you have a very connected feeling to your world. It's a good example. I think that the uh, the pickpocketing, often in a game, you just press A and you pickpocket the character on our side. We want it to really feel that you go and search the thing. It's really your, it's your imaginative. So we want it not only just to be a cheap mechanic, but something that has a, a unique feeling to it, a Garrett feeling, in fact. Hello. 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 Um, you guys make a huge deal about like the hands and stuff and feeling the environment. Um, does that does that importance carry over down to the feet as well? Like if I was to look down the game, I could see my feet. Oh yeah, absolutely. Body awareness. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up actually because um, we, we sure you know it's largely a first person experience, but the amount of money that it's basically it's entire body to it. It's a third person game in a first person body. Yeah. You know, it's um, you will see your shadow. Um, when you hold on to a wall and look down, you see your feet. When you're you're creeping across a beam and there's a guy down there, like doesn't even know you're there. It's very empowering. Like you're in your world, and it really connects you. I love that bit. About and if, for example, uh, if you walk in water, for example, you have to look because you're gonna create sounds. So it's also part of the gameplay. So yes, the body awareness, like I was saying, is really important to relate to your character, especially as a first-person game. So uh, we push the envelope and. Again, by doing some studying third person, we were able after that to have the whole garret, and yes, it's, uh, it's, it's really important. Yep. Thank you. Do you plan to have the game incentivize not killing in a similar manner to Dishonor or Command? To incentivize not killing, um, again, I'm going to have to say it sounds like you would like that, and the game is going to allow you to do that. Um, but, so it doesn't actually polarize anyone, because it's not going to reward you and then beat the guy over the head who wants to stick an arrow through somebody's neck. Um, so it incentivizes by allowing you to do so. It, I, 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 
Certainly, from the narrative point of view, Garrett isn't a killer. So if we don't start off the story saying everyone must die at my hand. So he sets out his stall story-wise quite early, but then doesn't get in the way of what, how the player wants to play. I don't want the player to feel guilty, uh, but the narrative does start and end with this kind of feeling of I'm called thief. It's on the box, you know, as opposed to killer or you know angry dude or whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, so. Certainly, I think there's as, there's as many fun ways to go through this stealthily as there is to set visor everything and you know like uh, and, and leave through the window as, as it works. So, yeah. you. you, you'll be able to kill. <laughs> hey, can I have help? Eh? Can I have a hug? I can't hear. Like, can I have a hug? Can you have a hug? Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, you can. Do it right now. Or do I? Have to <laughs> or I'll come and hug you at the end. Is that your, if that's your question, for if you want to hug. Yeah. All right, stand at the side, I'll come and give you a big hug. <laughs> um, I know that it's, like, uh, it's in a medieval world, but um, will there be any fantasy elements like magic, or is it just a medieval area? That's a very interesting question, and if we had beers, I could have a really long conversation with you about that. Um, the, the, the world that Nick was describing, this kind of pseudo-fantastical Victorian medieval blend, um, yeah, I'll figure with that. Uh, it extends a little bit to magic in our world. Uh, okay, there's magic in our world, right? There's some things I don't understand in science, which, to, to be honest, they could be magic tricks for me. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I think a little bit of that extends to, to, to Garrett's world. We didn't want something so fantastical or Harry Potter-esque, if you will. Um, we use the word mystical a lot in production. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot that you don't know what it is, and there's a lot that you can dig out, stuff you can find, documents, and like, what is that over there in that dark corner? Hey, wait a minute. There's a lot for you as, as, as the, the, the participant in this to, to start building up how you think the world works. Um, it's, we've put a lot of time and attention into that, even though it's not obvious immediately, it's, it's something that I've thought a long, a long time ago. Yeah, we call it almost credible magic or something like that. We wanted to, it, it's something that is, it's earlier that is really there in your game, and, but we kind of make it credible within your, your new universe. Thank you. Pleasure. Exploration and it's something we, we want to keep in the game. It's something we will really give the player who want to explore a lot of possibilities to explore. At the same time, we also make sure it's not the only way to play the game. So uh, it's a challenge, but um, the world is really there to be explored by the people who want to do that. And you're gonna have, uh, if you want to spend hours, you'll be able to spend hours within our world. And it was really interesting, at the, in fact, to see people play because they were playing all differently. And some people, frankly, in 45 minutes, they were still in the second room. And some people were in 25 minutes where they go to finish the mission. So it was really interesting to see, oh, I think it works. But um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge, but it's something we want to still, it's really a thief experience. When we say we want to keep the thief pillar, it's one of them the exploration and the feeling of how I'm going to do that. We have a lot of ways to approach a situation also, and this 
will be if you take that away and after that you want to replay it or go back in the map, you'll be able to, to manage this. I just would say I'm really excited about the new uh, elements you're adding to the game. Uh, but I was kind of curious from uh, Thief 2, there was an element where uh, from the first game, when we had his eye clocked out, we had the mechanical eye that would jab into stealth orbs that you can you know, chuck around the corner of the hallway to see if there was a patrol coming along. And I was curious if you guys were considering throwing that element back in any future games. Okay, yeah, because the, the, the new eye is a. Uh, it, it, it's not mechanical, it's a little bit more mystical. Um, I mean, Nick's more the expert on the actual mechanics we're going to be doing. Uh, I don't think we have throwing just words in your point. We don't have that, but uh, we have a lot of tools that could. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, remember that it's, um, it's something we have things that will be able to explore the world, see to, uh, to, uh, to the big clock and things like that. The eye, like we say, uh, the focus itself is really started from that. It's really an important topic. We create our own aspect of it within the game, but you'll see that it will give you a lot of, it will really empower the player and gather itself with that feature. And uh, we hope that people really uh, like it and use it. Steven, um, I always didn't really play video games for a strong story focus, like multiple arcs, multiple endings, are you going to kind of have that sort of within date where you have choices that you play, the types of choices you make through the game kind of affect how it ends? Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie to you, I, I would love to have done that, but of course there's, there's a massive financial cost that comes with that and the logistics. Um, in the end we decided to go with a, a single arc narrative. That, that we've got, it's a very powerful one. Um, there is something that happens towards the end that gives you, it's not a choice. You're, you're, the story isn't going to arc uh, or, or split off, but there is an interesting uh, element of choice at the end, depending on how you like to play. Um, but no, we didn't actually have uh, the separate endings. Um, I'm pretty proud of the story we had, of course. I'm not going to say what actually is. It, it, it's, it's a good single, single story, but there's, there's no split. Yeah, Thank we you. wanted to really to focus on and make it good on the other side. Okay, uh, no other questions. I think that'll do it. Um, just wanted to let you guys know we're going to be up at Jolton Joe's. It's on uh, 4th Street, 379. We'll be doing game demos every hour for 90 minutes for the next couple of days. Um, so thank you. So thank you.